We're going to be in Genesis chapter 47, if you'd like to flip on over there. And while you're turning there, I, I ran into Mike as he was coming in, Mike Freeman. And he's got this really nice white shirt. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome, Mike. Look, he's, he's looking great this morning. You, you just, you've got to get, a, a, get face-to-face with Mike and tell him how nice he looks today. <laughs> Aside from the coffee stain that's right there on his shirt. Now, I tell you this because of his reaction. Because he came up and we kind of pointed that out. In fact, several people pointed it out to him. And he said, hey, you know what? When I get to heaven, the stains will all be gone. And I went, amen. He goes, the shirt's wrinkles, the stains there, the spot's there, but it's all going to be gone. And I want to remind you of something as we begin this morning. You are precious people in the eyes of God. That God loves you passionately. That you are so important and so special. And no matter how much Satan or the world tries to drag you down, tries to say you're less than or nothing or insignificant, your father loved you so much to die for you. God cares so much about you that he would wash the very clothes on your back. He washes your very soul. And if you are in Christ, if you give your life to Jesus, that is the guarantee. That's the promise. That it's not based on, as Les said, our works or or pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. But our Father loves us passionately. I believe in the world today that one of the reasons the church does not have more influence is because we're all so unsure about our value. And I'm not talking about our self-value or our self-worth or that which we find in ourselves that is good. I'm talking about the value that God places on us. That preciousness, that pricelessness of each one of you and me individually before the Father. He loves us. And when you realize that God loves you, things like depression, things like self-doubt, worry, and even the inability to talk to people about Jesus, it just washes away because, hey, I'm a child of the King. I am a prince walking in this land. I'm a priest of God. And I have complete and absolute and eternal worth in the fact that the Father loves me. And that is the message to take home. That is the message to know. And that is the message that it took Jacob his entire life to figure out. But thank God he does figure it out. Chapter 47 and verse 7. Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Let's pray for a moment. Our Holy Father, though in and of ourselves we have no right to come before you because of the blood of Jesus and because of your amazing, unending, eternal love, we bow before you this morning. And we as children come before you thankful, blown away by your love. And God, as we open up the scriptures this morning, I pray that you will pour out upon this fellowship, these believers, all of us together, a a holy confidence, not in our names, Father, but in your name. 
And may we be a people who learn to rely and lean on your name and not on our own. May we be children, Lord, who bear the name of our Father on our lips and in our hearts and bring your name to a lost and wounded world. God, bless the study of your scriptures this morning. May your word come back full and successful, having reached and touched our hearts today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Joseph, or Jacob, sorry, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing scene in Jacob's life. Now, when we look back and think about a patriarch like Jacob... We have a tendency with Isaac and Abraham and some of the other fathers, Moses, to look back and think of them in great spiritual stature, which they did attain through God's grace. They were great, amazing, wonderful men. But in this scene, this is a stark contrast. You've got little old shepherd Hebrew Joseph coming before Pharaoh. This would be like me going before the President of the United States. Just for comparison. Someone who nobody knows. I mean, can you imagine the news channels picking that one up? Rick Crawford meets the president. Who would they be focused on? In all the pictures as the campaigning goes on and the shaking of hands, do they ever focus on the individual nobody out in the Midwest? This is Sam Johnson shaking John Kerry's hand right now. Sam, how are you feeling today? We're all very excited to see Sam here shaking hands with this candidate. Or President Bush goes to Ohio. This is Emily Frankenson. I'm just making these names up as I go. <laughs> Miss Emily, we're all excited here. And all the cameras focus in on Emily while George Bush stands back going. <clears throat> Strange, odd, that Jacob comes before Pharaoh. This little nobody. Now, those of you who studied this Wednesday night a bit, you understand this. You've heard that both shepherds and Hebrews were loathsome to the Egyptians. Loathsome. They couldn't eat with them. There was racism even back then. And here comes this little old man limping, walking on a stick. He's a Jew and a shepherd. And the first thing he does is he blesses Pharaoh. What audacity. How dare he. What right does he have, this little man? who is nothing to come before Pharaoh and offer blessing on him. The old man that blesses the young man. And what's interesting about this is that Pharaoh notices that this is odd. He, in verse 8 says, How many years have you lived? I'm trying to change the subject. It must be a bit embarrassing. This old guy comes up and begins to bless him, this shepherd Jew. How old are you, old man? And verse 9, Jacob said, The years of my sojourning are 130 few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Nor have they attained to the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. You know what Jacob's saying? This man who just blessed the most powerful political leader in the world? He's saying, There's not much to me. I'm old. My life has been hard. It's been unpleasant. It's been difficult. And now I I look back and realize I haven't even attained to the years of my father. I don't even measure up to my father Isaac or my grandfather Abraham. I'm not like them. My life has just been hard. 
And the scene is even more surreal because Jacob then in verse 10 blesses Pharaoh again and goes out of his presence. This little old, lame, limping, world-weary, time-worn man comes before one of such greatness and he blesses him. Now you may say, so what? Just an old man giving a Pharaoh a blessing. That's kind of nice. God bless you. Maybe Pharaoh sneezed. You know, bless you. What's the deal? Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7 tells us the following. But without dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Without dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Which means in this instance, the greater man is Jacob, not Pharaoh. Now had you and I been standing in the court that day, we would not have seen that. We would have seen one dressed in his finery, probably wearing one of those funny hats with gold and and jewels all around him. And a court sitting on a throne, a very impressive man, and a smelly little shepherd. But the lesser is blessed by the greater. The one who brings the blessing is greater than the one who receives the blessing. Now, does Jacob think he's greater than Pharaoh? Yes and no. He certainly doesn't think he's greater in person. In person, as we've seen, he looks at his own life and doesn't think much of it. Unpleasant, difficult, small. I'm somewhat of a nobody. He's even called here, interestingly, Jacob. The Bible, the scriptures don't even refer to him as Israel here. His God-given name, Israel. At least that would have raised his stature a bit. But no, he's just Jacob. Just Jacob. But the reason old Jacob is able to bless Pharaoh is he knows he is greater in position. Not greater in person, but greater in position. He knows he's a child of God. He knows he is saved by the Father. He knows he's a servant of the Most High. He's been amazingly, wonderfully blessed himself by God. And because Jacob is so blessed, he now can turn around and bless. He's been brought back to life, literally. The old man was dying until he realized his son Joseph was alive. Now he's in Goshen, and his son Joseph is with him, and his other sons are around him, and things are good. And as a matter of fact, though he's 130 years old, and he thinks he's at death's door, God will give him 17 more years to live with Joseph. Just a little side note. Does anybody remember how old Joseph was when he was sold into slavery? 17. And so God gives Jacob another 17 years to live with his son. I think that's precious. It speaks of the heart of the father. And so because Jacob has been blessed, he pronounces blessing. In the Bible, this idea of bestowing or giving a blessing to either another person or a group of people is a very precious thing to do. Now again, unfortunately in our society, we don't comprehend or understand the depth of giving a blessing. Someone sneezes and again we say, God bless you. But the type of blessing talked about in the Bible is nothing to sneeze at. You see, the one who had the honor of blessing others in the Bible were either the patriarchs or the priests or the prophets or the kings. These were the ones who had the right to bless. These were the ones who gave the blessing. And you may say this morning, well, I'm no patriarch. I'm no prophet, I'm no king, I'm especially no priest. So I guess I'm not in that category. Folks, let me tell you right now that you have been called to be people who give a blessing. You have been called by God 
to be givers of blessing to other people. But Rick, I, I don't... Do you know me? Do you know my life? Do you know where I'm coming from? Where I've been? How can I presume to bless somebody else? The lesser is blessed by the greater. And I'm the lesser. How can I possibly do this? Let me give you a verse to hang on to this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. Peter writes, and listen closely, don't miss this. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're a chosen race. Everybody wants to be chosen. Worst thing in the world is being out in the elementary school playground and everybody's choosing up sides and to be the last one. Do you remember that feeling? I do vividly. Lining up to play nation ball and his names get called off and kids go to that side and to that side and you're standing there going, oh please don't let me be last, oh please don't let me be last, oh please don't let me be last. To be chosen. And I wonder how it is that Christians today can wonder if God loves them. You have been chosen. And not chosen last, chosen first. Before the foundations of the world, God tells us. He chose you. He chose us in Him. We are the chosen. We are a royal priesthood. If you're in Christ, that's who you are. You are a royal priest. Do I get a hat? No. <laughs> but you are a royal priest. And what is the calling of that priesthood? It is proclamation of the excellencies of God. Again, Peter says, So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You haven't just been chosen to sit there. You haven't just been chosen to say, Oh, I'm on the team, and then not play. You have been chosen, loved, brought into salvation, so that once that happens, you can proclaim God to the world. I read this quote on Wednesday night. I want to share it again because there are many of you who didn't get a chance to hear this. This is out of the book Living Water by Chuck Smith. And he writes, We shouldn't be pitted against one another. He's talking about unity in the church. We should be united in our effort to bring people into the kingdom of God and out of the kingdom of darkness. The real enemy is Satan, and it's our task to bring men and women out of this kingdom and into the glorious kingdom of God. Once that occurs, it doesn't matter if these babes in Christ affiliate with us or join someone else who loves the Lord. It should never be our purpose to try and get people to come to our church. Our task, our job, our role is to bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to surrender to His will. See, we get it backwards. We bring people to church to get them to be a part of our church instead of bringing them to church so that they can meet the Lord. So that they can become closer to Him. So that they can be saved. And then whether they stay at that particular church or not, that's up to God. He may have somewhere else for them to go. But the bottom line, our role, folks, is not to pack out this barn... Our role is to proclaim the name of Jesus. Well, fellow royal priests, you all have been placed in a priestly ministry. Great, Rick. How do we do that? Do we have to learn Latin? Are there things we need to understand now because we're priests? No. Going back to the early priesthood, in fact, flip in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Numbers. 
Numbers chapter 6. We go all the way back to the earliest priesthood in the Jewish faith. The Hebrew priesthood to Aaron and his sons. And there's a well-known blessing that Aaron and his sons were commissioned by God through Moses to give to his people. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses. Numbers 6.22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, You shall bless the sons of Israel. And you shall say to them, now I want to make sure everybody's there. Are you all there? Number 622, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book in the Bible. Listen to this blessing. You shall say to them, God telling Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You may have heard it in hymn form or sung as a song. Listen again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Now this wasn't just a conclusion of a message. This wasn't just Moses looking out over the vast people of Israel and saying, Hey, the Lord bless you and keep you. And make His face to shine upon you and lift up His countenance on you. This was a specific mandate given to the priests. They were told, Aaron and sons, by Moses, from God, this is what you are to do. Bless the people. Proclaim the blessing. Bless the people of Israel. Well, Jacob did this. He blessed Pharaoh, surprising Pharaoh. And then Jacob turns around and before Pharaoh can do anything about it, he blesses him again. And we get to be that, folks. Listen. As priests, as a royal priesthood, we get to be givers of the blessing. God has called us to be blessing givers. Wait a minute. Are you saying I'm to bless everyone in the church? Okay, I can do that. They're pretty nice people around me here. But if you're saying I've got to bless my boss, you've got another thing coming. If you're saying I've got to bless those people at school that uh, treat me other than nice. You're saying I've got to go out into the world and bless people. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. Well, get comfortable. Because that's what God has called you to do. That is what He's called me to do. To be givers of the blessing. Two simple ways to go about blessing people. Two ways that we can do that. Number one, in the words that we say. And number two, in the way that we pray. Or as we pray, on the way. In the words that we say and as we pray on the way. First of all, in the words that we say. You know, the more I wander around this world and and live this life, I realize that people need to hear the word of God in a way that they don't often hear it today. And I'm not talking about scripture. I'm talking about the word God. The name Jehovah. The name Jesus. People need to hear it as a blessing and not a curse. Because in this culture, the name of God is used more often as a curse than anything else. The name of Jesus you hear often outside of the church, but certainly not because people are blessing others with it. And this world needs to hear the blessing of the name of God spoken as a blessing. God bless you. God loves you. I've I got to share this, and I, I won't share any names, but... Um, a sweet sister came up to me last week after church and talking about her and her husband's experience here and saying 
The reason they love coming every Sunday so much is because they love to hear that God loves them. And that, that was one of those little simple things that spun me around. And I started thinking, do I say God loves you every Sunday morning? Because if I don't, I need to. God loves you. And that speaks volumes. And to know that this name of God is a name spoken as blessing and not as curse, it's wonderful. How many people outside the body of Christ hear the name of God in that light? As a positive, as a blessing. Look at verse 27 in Numbers chapter 6. God says, give the blessing. Why? So that they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. There's something more to this game, that if we invoke the name of God in a blessing, not only are we saying, hey, have a good day, hope the sneeze doesn't return, when we say God bless you, when we offer God's name as a blessing to someone, in that moment, God blesses them. Invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I will bless them, he says. Again, my fellow priests, when you invoke the name of God on people, it blesses them. It affects them. If there's another believer in the world, it brightens their day. Just to hear the name of God. I was working at a temporary job in college, Christmas 1986. And I was doing filing and office work, and I was bored out of my mind. And I also was having a pretty bad day. And I went into the break room to sit down and read and relax for a few minutes, and there was gang violence right on the front page of the L.A. Times. And a lot of ugly stuff going on. I'm reading through it, and I was just getting more and more just bummed. Thinking, this is the world I live in. And I was only making minimum wage, which at the time was like five bucks an hour. It was not a good day. And on the radio in the background, someone had left on a Christian station. I didn't even know it. It was just kind of playing in the background. I wasn't paying attention. But all of a sudden, as I'm reading the paper, I hear the name Jesus. And in that moment, I, I was like, and I tuned in. And I realized, I went right home and wrote a song about it, which I'll never play for you here. It's a long time ago. But the name of Jesus, it, it just lifted me out of where I was. It picked me up suddenly just hearing the name. And as a believer in Christ, don't you love to hear the name? Especially out, no, you expect to hear it here. You know when I open my mouth, eventually Jesus is going to come out. My kids have already learned as we're driving home. Hey, what did you learn in the message today? What did you learn from the Bible? Jesus? <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the first answer we church people have to give, and it's usually the right one. Who loves you? Jesus. Who's the Bible about? Jesus. Who died for you? Jesus. But when you're out in the world and you're not thinking about church things, and you're not focused on God maybe so much, you're doing other stuff and you're distracted, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jesus is not spoken as a curse, but as a blessing... Doesn't it brighten your day, lift you up? I was in Office Max just this last week. Cheryl and I were, and we, we stood at the counter there. And, and you know, when you go to buy stuff at a store, you really don't care about the person behind the counter. You really have no relationship with them. Sell me my stuff, I'm out of here. Now, my mother-in-law is completely different. She'll talk to everybody in the world as long as they'll listen. Okay. But not me. I'm a get-in, get-out kind of a guy. I've got my work to do. I don't really want to talk to the attendant at Office Max. Bad pastor. 
So I'm standing there, and I've got on this shirt. Some of you have seen it. It's a yellow shirt that says, it looks like Abercrombie and Fitch, but it says a breadcrumb and fish. It's a great shirt, and it has a little verse on it and stuff. And I'm not even thinking about that. I put it on because it was the only, only clean T-shirt in the house. And I'm standing there waiting for this stuff. You know, she's ringing through the credit card, and I'm, you know, sweating about how much I'm spending it. And she just says, a breadcrumb and fish? She starts reading, and I'm like, oh, great. She's reading my shirt now. Okay. And she said, that's so cool. That's a cool shirt. Man. And this woman who, I, I kid you not, seconds before was just like, you know, punching the numbers and doing her thing. Brightened up. It was like, oh yeah, breadcrumb and fish. That's a Jesus thing, isn't it? I didn't do a thing. This was not active blessing on my part, okay? It was t-shirt blessing. Which I apparently works sometimes. But she was blessed. And I walked out of there going... She's happier now than she was a second ago. And again, I could take no credit for it, but all it took was for a Christian person in the workplace to see or hear or think about God in a moment, and her day was better for it. It does affect believers in the world when we say, hey, God loves you, God bless you, the Lord be with you. But if there's a non-believer in the world, it also brightens their way. It gives hope. It brings a sense of peace. It's amazing to me. I was in the hospital this last week visiting Sharon Jaretsky, who is doing better. She's up in Whistler right now, so we can all pray for her suffering for Jesus up there. <laughs> but I was in the hospital with her, and she's lying. She's got the tubes in, and she's, you know, as, as Sharon is. I mean, she's just talking to Blue Street, God this and God this and God, God that, and, and, just, and God's going to take care of it. I don't know what the Lord has in mind. And the, the nurse is walking in and out, and she's slowing down as she's walking in and out. Now, again, I have no idea if this person was a Christian or not. But as Sharon and I talked and, and prayed together, before we prayed, she, she said to the nurse, Now, you've got to put that thing on my arm right now because my pastor and I were going to pray right now. And the nurse said, Oh, no, no, that's fine. And it just, in that moment, I was thinking, How cool is it that she's hearing the name of God so openly and lovingly spoken? How often does the nurse on the nursing staff, and, and where's Cindy? We could, we could probably get a, we're there, back there. How often do you hear the name of God in the hospital spoken? in a positive light maybe when people are praying but I would imagine on staff you probably don't hear it a lot as a blessing it's probably more as a curse in the workplace you guys know it Leif is a police officer I, I'm sure you hear it not as a blessing but as a curse let <laughs> see your license plate oh, you know folks the world needs to hear the name of God in the things that we say, we can bless those around us. And I dare you, I dare you to be one who blesses people with the word that you say. To speak God's name, Jesus' name, boldly, unabashedly, with all the beauty of blessing that it implies. Can you imagine Dad walking into Ace Hardware? Excuse me, I'm going to talk to my dad for a minute. And going into your boss and, and just going, hey, listen, the Lord bless you and keep you. And just walk out of the room. It would freak him out. Now, you may be thinking, okay, you've got to be kidding, Rick. You don't really want us to go in and, and invoke the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. What do you want me to do, sing at work next? Yes, <laughs> I do. Bless people with the name of God. Offer that blessing and watch it spin their lives around. It is the highest calling of a priest to bless this world with the name of God. That's what we're called to. To share Jesus. God says, use my name toward them and I will bless them. To bless people with God's name, yes, it's radical. A little crazy. 
If you try, students, Dan, if you try this in high school, you're going to be looked at strangely. In math class, first day, tap the guy in front of you as he turns around. Hey, listen. Yeah, what, what? The Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> I th- wouldn't it be great to be people who are just freaking out the entire world? Because we're bringing the blessing. Folks, people desperately need to hear God's name as a blessing and not a curse. And you may say, okay, but Rick, I'm old. Well, so was Jacob. Well, I'm famished in my life. So was Jacob. Yeah, but Rick, I'm nothing. So was Jacob. Jacob was nothing in the courts of Pharaoh. He was nobody. He had no clout. Nothing. But he blesses Pharaoh going in and he blesses Pharaoh coming out and Pharaoh's just left standing there dumbfounded and blessed. I think more people need to be that way, dumbfounded and blessed as we're walking out the door. Secondly, we can bless people as we pray on the way. Students, going to junior high, high school, elementary school, have you ever just wandered the halls of your school and prayed for the teachers, the administration, the other students there? They don't even have to know you're doing it. It's kind of like wearing underwear. No, it is. Nobody knows you've got it on. We all hope you do. But you can pray in the halls of your school. You're going, how did we get from the Word of God to underwear? I don't know how. You can do this, folks. We can walk and be anywhere and be praying for people and they don't even know it. See, that's the secret, silent work of the priest in this world. Students, walk the halls of your schools and pray. Especially now that school's about to start. Folks, moms, dads, kneel down by your kids' beds at night as they sleep and bless them and pray. My kids, 99% of the time, have no idea that's going on. But I'm by their bedside praying for them as they sleep. They're so still and precious when they're asleep. (laughs) Have you ever walked into the workplace? Again, folks... Praying the blessing on your boss. Yeah, but my boss is a taskmaster. <laughs> like Pharaoh? Like the Egyptians? Bless them. Jacob blesses Pharaoh again, going in and coming out. In other words, bless people coming and going. Bless them to their face. Bless them behind their backs. And again, you may say, well, Rick, the people I work with, <laughs> the people around me, there are people in my life I just really, really rather not bless. Jesus says in Luke 6.28, bless those who curse you. Bless. Pray for those who mistreat you. Paul says in Romans 12.14, echoing Jesus' words, bless those who persecute you. Those who pick on you. Those who make fun of you. Those who are hard on you. Those who are mean to you and brutal to you in your life. Bless them. Well, Rick, there are people I can hardly stand to think about, much less pray blessings on. I mean, there's some brutal and, and, and hurtful people in this world. Absolutely. I understand. But do you understand that it was within a couple of years after Jesus said, Bless those who curse you, that he hung on a cross and blessed those who cursed him. Yes, I understand it's hard. But do you realize that Paul was writing in Romans to a people who at the time were being persecuted by a Caesar named Nero? Oh, you remember Nero. He was the one dipping Christians in hot wax and hanging them up in his courtyards and lighting them on fire while he rode naked in his chariot all over the place screaming, You are the light of the world! Bless those who persecute you. That is radical. That is different than any of our human inclinations to go into this world with blessing on our lips, praying the name of God 
invoking Jesus on the lives of people not who we just like, but who we would otherwise loathe. And Jesus says, bless them. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's our calling. It's our mandate to pronounce the blessing. We can pronounce the blessing of God in the words that we say and in the way that we pray. Which is very simply talking to people about the Lord and talking to the Lord about people. That's the blessing we've been given and we get to give. Now, as we bless in this way, in the words that we say and in the way that we pray, we'll be blessed ourselves every day. Did you realize that? It comes back around. Blessing cannot avoid coming back around and getting you. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, Peter says, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit, inherit a blessing. We're called to give the blessing, but we also inherit the blessing of our very salvation from God. Jacob knew this as he blessed Pharaoh that day. That the blessing God gave you flows through you and returns to you. In Genesis 28:14, Jacob must have recalled, Your descendants, God said to him, will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and spread out to the east and spread out to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Blessed. It's the calling of the priest to bless this world, to literally spread out. It's our mandate. Spread out to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south, and be a people who bless by the name of God. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 again, tells us that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. God, thank you so much for blessing us. Oh, Lord Jesus, we above all people in the world are so richly blessed. And God, yes, material things are given in this country that are unreal, but that's not the blessing I'm talking about. We gather this morning to worship you, to praise you, to study your word, and to recognize and realize that we are the beloved of God. Something completely undeserved. We are blessed. Father, as you remind us of this, I pray this week especially that the blessing would overflow. That we would go out of here as priests called to bless the world. Invoking the name of God, surprising some, thrilling others, and possibly offending a few. But Lord, may we carry your name on our lips, not as a curse, but as a blessing in this world. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.